conferences all throughout the summer to represent Crown College. And it was a place that was started over 30 years ago by Pastor Clarence Sexton there in Powell, Tennessee, just right outside of Knoxville. And way before the college was ever started, way before Pastor Sexton was even at Temple Baptist Church, he felt like the Lord had put it in his heart to start a Bible college. He didn't know where it would be. He didn't know when it would be, but he knew that's what God wanted him to do. And so as he was praying and seeking the Lord for these things, um, the Lord led him to Temple Baptist Church. And as they were voting him in, he told them that a vote for me as pastor is also a vote to start a Bible college. He said, I don't know when it will be, but I know that's what God wants me to do, and I want to follow the Lord by faith. So they voted him in as pastor, also voting to start a Bible college. And that church took that great leap of faith, and about three years after he was voted in as pastor, they started the Crown College. And what it is, at its heart, it's a Bible college. It's a place where young people can come, and they can learn to be trained in the ministry, to learn pastoral ministries or youth ministry, missions or music ministry as well. And as the college has grown... And the Lord has blessed it. Pastor Sexton's really felt led of the Lord to start other programs as long as well with it. And so we have an education program that is great where young people can come. They can learn and they can get a two-year or four-year education degree. And then our pastor, he has a great burden, a great desire to see young men come to Crown College to study in the ministry. But while they're there, also learn another program, also learn a trade or something like that. So when they leave... They could be bivocational, so they don't have to worry about whether the church can support them or not. They can know and be confident that as they follow the Lord's leading, they can provide for their family, whether that's a church that's big enough to support them or not. So we have a trades program there where people can come. They can learn auto diesel, HVAC, electrical installation, construction, welding. And then we also have cosmetology program for the ladies where many young women come from all over the country to learn how to cut hair in a Christian environment and learn and then be able to find good godly young men to be able to marry and go out and serve God in the world. As it's grown as well, we've been given a great opportunity to start a school of science and healthcare. We have two-year and four-year science degree, a four-year biology and biochemistry degree as well. And not only that, we also have a school of um, business and entrepreneurship. And we have two-year and four-year business degrees where people can come. And really one of the greatest burdens that Pastor Sexton has is for people to come to Crown College and then to leave it and have a great education, but more importantly, to have a great foundation in the Bible and to be a great Christian as they leave. And one of the big reasons, one of the big ways that we do that that's unique is that no matter why you come to Crown College, no matter what it's for, you're always going to get about a year's worth of Bible credits built into your program. So whether you come for a business major or whether you come to be an auto diesel mechanic or a cosmetologist or to study in the ministry, you're always going to get Bible credits built into your program so that you're studying alongside other students the same thing. So when you leave, you know what the Bible has to say. You have a foundation so you could build your life on the Bible and then you can go out and serve the Lord in whatever capacity he would have for you. And really one of the greatest things, many people ask us, what's the greatest thing about Crown College? Or what's the best thing that's there? What would you recommend? And really one of the things that I always tell people is the greatest thing going out on a Crown College isn't even at Crown College. It's actually a couple hundred yards right up the road at Temple Baptist Church. And that church that started the college, any student that comes, not only will they be able to learn at Crown College, but then they'll be able to be a part of a unique and dynamic local church. And so ministry students, as they're studying in the classroom on the weekends, they get to put into practice those things that they're learning in the classroom. And then those students that are studying another degree program, they get to be able to be a part of a local church to serve in local church ministries. So when they leave, they know how they can be able to be a support to their pastor wherever they go. And they know how they can be involved in a local church and to help the pastor out wherever it may be. And that really is what Pastor Sexton's desire is, is to see young people come to this college to be able to study whatever they believe God wants them to study and then to leave 
be able to be a part of a local church and be able to be a strong member in a local church that is leading people to Christ, that is following and serving the Lord in the ministries, and that is being able to provide for their family. So that really is our desire and our burden is to train these people in those areas. If you would, please, we have a table in the back. Love, love for you guys to stop by. We have information about the college, all the degree programs that we have to offer and then we also have some books that pastor has written and then some cds we have a temple teen choir cd for the teenagers of that church they get together and they make a cd it's a wonderful thing and so if you guys would go back there and look at the table i think you'd be blessed by it thank you guys once again for having us
Amen. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate that. I, I knew they were good people when I heard them use the word y'all. You know, you just never know where people are from and uh, what kind of folks you're dealing with. And once I heard the y'all, I knew we were in good company. I want you to get by there and see their table in the back. And if you're a mom or dad and you have a young person who is considering college, even if they're in elementary school, okay, uh, be sure you get by there and take a look at that. The reason we have these colleges come through is I want our young people and our families to know what options are out there. Uh, sometimes we don't realize that our kids can go to church and school at the same time. And they have a good Christian atmosphere to both learn about what they're going to do in life and how they're going to serve the Lord, uh, but in an atmosphere where their faith is not attacked. Uh, we don't have to throw our children to the secular colleges out there and let them devour them. They can find the will of God, and there's plenty of options out there. So I want you to know that. Get by the table. They always bring good music with them, and uh, I vouch for them. And not only do I, but a lot of our, our young people have gone there. You've known several students go through our church and uh, are in ministry today who serve there at Crown, and we're thankful for them. Get by there and visit with them. I know they'll be glad to answer any questions that you have. Luke chapter 15 this morning, if you have your Bibles, and I know you do. We're in church, right? Right? You come to church, we bring our Bible. Uh, if you don't have one, be glad to get you one sometime. Be sure to let us know, get by the bookstore. Uh, we're going to open our Bibles this morning to the New Testament, Luke chapter 15. And when you find it, let's go ahead and stand together. Luke chapter number 15. I do want to remind you, we're not going to go over everything in the uh, bulletin today. A lot of things going on. We're entering the busy season for our young people. Uh, be sure you keep up with what's going on. Find opportunities for your young people to be a part. Don't want them to miss out on anything that, uh, that we have going that they could be a part of that would help strengthen them over that summertime. Luke chapter 15, going to start in verse number 1, a very familiar passage, often quoted uh, even by secular folks. They'll quote this passage and refer to it. I'll see it on Facebook from time to time. Uh, we're going to read from the Word of God today, and I believe God's given us a message that we need. Luke chapter 15, verse 1, the Bible says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, <clears throat> they usually do, by the way, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, now watch what Jesus is about to say, what man of you having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. When he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise, joy shall be in heaven <clears throat> over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your word, and Lord, I look forward to what you have to say today. Lord, I know what you've given me, and Lord, I'm going to preach what you've sent, but I'll not say nowhere near as much as the Holy Spirit will have to say, and more specifically to hearts and needs that I know nothing about today. So, Father, I pray that you bless as we stand to preach your word, that, Lord, you would give us what we need to say exactly the way that we would need to say it. And I pray that, Lord, we'd receive it. Help us not be in a rush today to get out the door, but, Father, respond to your will. I pray some might be saved today, and then I do pray that the saved would be challenged through your word, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> the truth we just read about this morning is, is really one of the most beautiful truths uh, in the Word of God. Uh, you read this story, it's hard not to get what God intended out of this. 
And that's that when we read it, we read and we see ourselves. Because whether this morning you're lost or you're saved, you ought to be able to see yourself uh, in verse number four and verse number five. Because in one way or another, we were or we are the lost sheep that he's talking about. One of the things I love about the Word of God is as we read the Word of God and we go through our Bible study time together and we sit through years of preaching is at how many different angles God tries to show us ourselves through the Word. You know, by the way, that's why he preserved that. He didn't just preserve it so we'd have another book to put up on the shelf. He preserved his Word for us because in the pages of this book, inspired and preserved all throughout the ages, God wants us to be able to see ourselves from so many different angles. So obviously we're reading a parable here, and we're reading about the parable of the lost sheep. Uh, but not everything in here is a parable. Some things were living true uh, examples that happened in the lives of people. Why did God give us all of that? Well, he wants us to see ourselves and to see where we stand. But then more importantly, not only see ourselves and where we stand, but see what the Bible says in Ephesians about the great love wherewith he loved us, the great mercy that he showed to us in letting us be saved and come to know him as our personal Lord and Savior. Luke chapter 15, when you look at this example, we see ourselves as the lost sheep. The Bible says that we were all lost, for all have sinned. We were all separated by our sin from God. Ever since the dawn of creation, though, you see that once man sinned, God instituted a plan to restore that fellowship with man back with God. All throughout the scriptures from Old Testament to New, you see the mechanisms that God put in place that man might be restored to God. Yes, we were lost. Yes, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But thanks be to God, he sent his only begotten son. For God so loved the world, what he wanted, that fellowship restored. You and I were that lost sheep that he sent Jesus to come and to fetch us and to bring us back and restore us to him. Now, I want you to think about this today. We're not necessarily going to preach on salvation. That's obviously the context. If you look at the end of verse number 6, it's talking about the sheep which were lost. And we'll key in on that for a few minutes this morning. But I want you to think about after we get saved. I'm thankful that we cannot lose our salvation. Uh, If you could lose it, I would have lost it already. I'd lose it each and every day for each and every day I sin and transgress the word and the will of God in some way or another. Sometimes we think that sinning and transgressing the Word of God is just in the things we do wrong, but I think I probably sin more in not doing the things that I know that are right. How many times do we commit the sin of omission rather than the sins of commission and ignoring what God tells us to do? And oftentimes I find myself once again as this sheep, not lost, okay, can we establish that? Not lost, but I find myself scattered and away from the shepherd. Have you ever felt like that before? All of us that are saved this morning can say amen. As the song says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. You can't live in 2023 in the crazy mixed up world we're living in and not feel that draw of the world. And by the way, you have a built up magnet. It's built up on the inside of you called this flesh. And it's drawn away from God. My flesh does not desire to please God. My flesh desires to get away from God, not to get in the Word of God. Have you ever found it interesting how hard it is to read your Bible? I mean, you would think we are studying grammar in English in the seventh grade. No offense to you grammar or English lovers out there. Uh, It's not something I look forward to reading, just to be honest with you. When I graduated high school, I said, you know what, I don't even think I want to go back to college. And I went to four years of college, and I look, I don't ever want to open another English book again. 
I've diagrammed so many sentences, and Ms. Pam can tell you what that's all about. I'm not exactly sure uh, where the application there is, but I promise you she could tell you. So you ask our English major in here, Ms. Pam, she can fill you in on that. I don't want to open an English book, but sometimes the Word of God is the same way. Why is it so hard to read a love letter from our Father? I get a, a letter in the mail. Now, I get a lot of junk mail. Boy, I get a letter that's hand-addressed to me, and I want to open it up and read what somebody had to say to me. That's what the Word of God is. It's a letter from our Father. He want, why is it so hard? Because the flesh that you live in is prone to wonder. And even though you're saved and you can never lose your salvation, there are so many times in our life we wander away from God. We are the sheep that's not lost. We're just away from the shepherd. And, oh, I've been there in my life. I have been scattered at times in my walk with God. It's kind of like my coffee cups. I have commuter cups. I like to drink coffee before I leave the house. I like to drink coffee when I leave my house. And I like to drink coffee after I leave my house. I like to be a well-rounded Christian. I drink it all the time. I believe you ought to be consistent in your life. And I drink it all of the time. Uh, I, I think I could probably write a Dr. Seuss's book about it, right? I drink it here or there, everywhere. I love drinking coffee. The other day I went to the cabinet where I have the, cough, the commuter cups to get one before I left the house, and the cabinet was empty. All of my cups were gone. And travesty there, buddy, when you can't find your commuter cups because, you know, I like the big ones where you can fill up with a double portion. That's scriptural also. I realized that over time I had gone to the cabinet, got a commuter cup, and I commuted with it. Novel idea. And I got to my office that morning being looking around, and in my office, I took a picture, but I forgot to give it to the tech guys today. I had 12 commuter cups. I literally walked in the door with a box of cups. My wife says, what do you have there? I says, they're all of my coffee cups. I commuted with them and never brought them home. And just over a little time here, a little time there, all of my commuter cups commuted <laughs> And they had gotten scattered all throughout my office, in the bathroom there in my office, and around my wife's office. And I had to gather them back up again. And I want you to think about this today. That's the way we are as God's people. We commute, don't we? We commute in and out of the will of God, and, and then we have to get gathered back up together every once in a while. We stray away. We get away from the shepherd. We're not lost. I'm going to repeat that. We're not lost. Uh, but we get scattered sometimes. We're not as close to the shepherd as we ought to be, and we need to get our life back together. Ever felt that way? You ever thought to yourself, i, I got to get my act together? Your spouse ever told you that? They should. If you love your spouse, you ought to tell them every once in a while in a nice godly way, honey, I love you, but you really need to get your act together. Your walk with God is not what it needs to be, and I feel like that maybe we're drifting away from the Lord. What happens? We're prone to wonder. It's part of this stuff that we live in that doesn't want to be close to God, and we find ourselves like this sheep in Luke 15. We're not lost again, but we're not as close to the shepherd as we ought to be. We find ourselves scattered in a way, and we need to be gathered back again. We get close together with him again. Well, this morning, we're going to talk mainly to save people. Let me give you the context. It's obviously about the lost in, in chapter 15. But I want you to see the pattern that the shepherd sets on how we recover something that's lost. He sets a pattern. We see that this shepherd is missing something. We see that this shepherd needs to gather it back together again. And he shows us exactly how to do that. Now, I don't know about you this morning, but there are times 
that I'm not altogether spiritually. His flock was not all together. He had some here and he had one over there and he needed to get everything back together and get his life, uh, that, that flock back together again. Sometimes we're that way in our spiritual life. I believe the pattern of how God found us is how we find what we're missing. And this morning we're going to look at a very, very simple subject. I think anybody ought to be able to get this today on getting life back together. Getting life back together. When things get scattered, there's a pattern in chapter 15. I love it when you go to the Word of God and you can see exactly how to recover something that was lost. Now, I'm not lost my salvation, but there's been times I've lost my close walk with God. Amen. I'll be honest enough to admit that to you. There have been times in my life I have lost that sweet fellowship. I haven't lost my fellowship with God, but I've lost that sweet fellowship. Didn't he say something about that first love? They weren't lost. They had left. They had departed from that first love. Folks, there's times in our life we got to get our act back together. There's times that we're scattered, we're not where we need to be, and there's a pattern in chapter 15 on how we can get life back together. If you're lost today, I promise you, we'll hit salvation somewhere in here. Let's follow the pattern of this shepherd on how to find the things that are missing, if we could. Now look down, I want you to notice what the motivation is right off the bat in verse 4. The Bible says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one, The Bible says, lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after it. Now, undoubtedly, here's what happened. Here's this shepherd, and he has 100 sheep. And as it came time, maybe for the evening tide, where he's gathering the sheep to put in the fold, and he's going through the counting. I remember teaching this lesson so many times in Bible clubs, and how he's counting them. And the shepherd knew the sheep intimately. If you've never read Philip Keller's book on the shepherd, uh, the 23rd Psalm, it's an amazing book. That shepherd knows those sheep. He knows them intimately. They are his sheep. He spends time with those sheep. He goes before those sheep, and he lays in front of the sheepfold. He knows what he's got. He also knows what he doesn't have. And he's counting 98, 99, 100. Where's 100? He realizes he's missing something. Can I tell you what motivates him in verse 4? The Bible says he has 100 and he's lost one. And because he's lost one, watch these two words. The Bible says, go after. Go after. Can I tell you this morning what will motivate you to go and gather things back together the way they need to be? Things that have wandered away or gone astray in your life. Number one, the first step is you have to acknowledge there's an absence. Number one, hear me out this morning. As a child of God, there's going to be times in your life to where things are not all together. Your flock is not all together. Your ducks are not in a row. I saw a picture the other day on social media, and somebody says, I don't have all of my ducks in a row. As a matter of fact, I don't even know where my ducks are. <clears throat> I've been there. Sometimes as a pastor, uh, you don't know where all of your ducks are. And there are times in our life where things are not where they ought to be, and they're scattered. And the only thing that's going to motivate you is to acknowledge there's an absence. There's something missing in your life. You're not going to go after what you're not missing. Give an example, Brother Richard and I, we joke about celery a lot. He likes celery. Why you want to eat crunchy water, I don't know, but he likes it. 
Yesterday, we Brother Zach and uh, Miss Amanda's uh, gender revealed, and I have a little boy. What did, uh, what did Sophie going to call him? Dolphy? She's going to call him Dolphy, okay? So we're going to call him Baby Dolphy. That's what Sophie says his name's going to be. And we're there, and I says, I'm getting a piece of celery to eat just for Brother Richard. You know, I don't want to be blocked in by my pride to where, you know, maybe I try to get tasted again for the first time. Maybe I try to one day the light bulb's going to come on, and I, I get why you people like celery. I tried it again yesterday, still don't get it. Just ain't getting it. Excuse my southern English there. Man, I, I bit into it, and now I, I hate to throw it away. I don't want to waste, and so I ate the whole thing. I baptized it in so much ranch, I couldn't hardly even taste the, ran- the, the celery anymore. Just all I had was ranch, it was crunchy ranch by the time I finished with it. Do you know why I don't go looking for celery? I couldn't tell you where to find it. I'm assuming it's in the produce aisle because it's a fresh vegetable. But I don't know where you'd find it. Is it near the lettuce? Is it near the tomatoes? I don't know why. You know, I've never gone looking for it. You know why? Because I've never lost any. I'm never going to go looking for it. Why? Because I haven't lost it. Now hear me out this morning. Listen to me. This morning you're not going to go gather up what you're missing either until you get to the place where you swallow your pride and admit there's an absence in my life. There's something that ought to be here that's not here. And the only thing that's going to motivate you to get it is to get past your excuse of why you're missing it and go after it. What does it say? The Bible says he loses one and he goes after that which is lost. I've noticed through the years of not just preaching but pastoring, Christians, we have a bad cycle we go through. Hear me out. I call it crying yet denying. We cry about what is wrong and the way things are, and we cry about what we don't have, but then we deny that we're missing anything. We cry about how tough life is and how we don't have any peace and we don't have any joy. And when the pastor preaches on why we're missing that during the invitation time, we stay put and we don't make a move. Why? Because we deny that we're missing anything. I'll tell you, folks, this shepherd knew he was missing something. This shepherd took stock of his life and the flock that he had. And he says, wait a minute, there is something not here that should be here. Now look, if you ever want to have all life together the way it ought to be, you've got to be willing to get to the place to acknowledge something's missing. I don't have everything I should have. Let me give you an example of Matthew 23, verse 37. Jesus is lamenting over Jerusalem. Listen to what he says. <clears throat> o Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. Stop right there. Why did he send them prophets? Why did God love them enough to send somebody to tell them the truth? Why? Because they were missing something. Hey, that's why, aren't you glad, by the way, God sends people in our life to help us see what we're missing? I'm so thankful for my parents and my grandparents and for godly preachers and for Sunday school teachers and members of our church who loved me enough to come tell me things in my life that maybe I didn't want to hear. What were they trying to show me? Hey, you got a few sheep missing in your life. There's some things that aren't in order and things that aren't gathered together as they ought to be. Watch what he goes on to say in verse 37. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chicks under her wings. Listen close. And ye would not. I sent someone to tell you what you were missing. I sent someone to tell you there was an absence in your life. Watch this. Because I wanted to gather you close. By the way, that's what preaching is all about. 
If you're lost, watch this. The preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ is God's mechanism to gather you. Hey, if you're saved and have a walk with God and a relationship with God, the Bible says that he chose the foolishness of preaching to do that. That's God's mechanism to bring you close. And then watch, we drift, don't we? Prone to wonder. Prone to wonder. I promise you, if you have a great Sunday, you're probably going to have a horrible Monday. Spiritually. The devil's going to watch who's paying attention to here this morning. He's going to watch. He watches who goes down to the altar, man. He watches who's fervently paying attention to the preaching. And he's like, all right, we got to stop them. And buddy, you got an obnoxious coworker waiting on you tomorrow. It could be your spouse. Maybe even your kids. Why? He doesn't want you to be close. He wants to scatter you. He wants you to drift away. Now watch this. God doesn't want that. That's why he sent Jesus to bring you back close, to restore that relationship that he once had with you. But wait a minute. Why did Jerusalem miss out on that? Why did they not get gathered? The very last words, what did he say? And ye would not. They would not what? Here it is. They would not acknowledge the absence. Look, you can't blame on me and how good the preaching or how bad the preaching is on whether or not you do the will of God. Because God's going to make it clear. God's going to say, there's your sheep. You see that spot over there, number 100, that's your sheep. That's what you're missing. I don't know what you're missing this morning. I have no idea. Thank God. All the other pastors in here agree with me. I'm glad I can't see in your heart. I'd probably quit. Many times you probably killed me when I'm standing up here and you're smiling at me, but if you had laser beams, I'd be dead. Listen to me, God says, I'm going to point it out to you what you're missing in your life, but you got to acknowledge it. You know that's why people go to hell. They go to hell because they refuse to acknowledge the absence in their life. You need Christ. No, I don't. No, I don't. Notice what happened here. What was his motivation, number one? He had to acknowledge the absence. There was something missing. Instead of crying and denying, hey, watch this. Why don't we confess to possess? Instead of crying about what's wrong and then denying what's wrong, watch this. Why don't we confess what's wrong and then possess what we're missing? That's what God desires to do in our life. Now, hear me out, folks. This is serious. When I was a youth pastor, uh, and even a pastor, boy, the youth pastor is something that really jumped out at me this morning. You know, you have a young person, you'd be sitting there in a police station with a teenager. And that's, that's never something a youth pastor wants to have to do. Or maybe you're sitting in a hospital with a teenager because something Something was done wrong. Sitting there with mom and dad, and mom and dad says, look, they're really not bad kids. And I'm thinking, well, this is our third trip to the police station. They snuck out twice, stole your car, and spray painted that water tower up there with their name on it. We're in denial. I could not help them as long as they denied what was wrong. They're, just, they're a good kid. No, folks, can I tell you? The Bible tells us if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. I have folks tell me all the time, well, I love the Lord. You know there's a litmus test in there. The Bible says if you love me, keep my commandments. I mean, we're denying ourselves if we think that everything is scattered in our life and we're missing what God says we ought to have in our life and yet everything's okay. It's not. We're crying and denying when we should confess to possess what God says we can have. The problem is we won't admit it. We will not acknowledge the absence in our life. Let me give an example. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, we have the fruits of the Spirit. This is God's spiritual produce aisle. Now, I don't go for celery, but I do like fruit. 
you know, get some bananas every once in a while and apples, pineapple, something like that. I love fresh pineapple. If you've never had fresh pineapple, you have missed out. It is good stuff. Galatians 5, we have the fruits of the Spirit that are here. Watch this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance. All of these fruits that are there. What are those? Those are evidences of the what? Capital S, Spirit. That means if I am what I say I am, a possessor of the Holy Spirit of God, which when I got saved, the Bible says, came to indwell my heart. If I am what I say I am, sooner or later there's going to be some fruit. It's the fruits of the Spirit. And by the way, it's not invisible fruit. <laughs> Sometimes I think we think it is. Well, I have the fruit. It's just invisible. Look, it's hard, it's hard to hard to be hateful and convince people you've got the joy fruit of the Spirit. You know, that's why, oh, I get so aggravated with Christians, you know, we'll be at Dollar General and they'll ring up our thing wrong or they won't have something we're looking for. And we get all angry and riled up with the person behind the counter. And I'm like, no, but they got an I love Jesus bumper sticker. My daughter, we had this joke going down the road. You know the little silver fish that you see on the back of cars? My daughter and I have this joke. When we see the silver fish, one of us will usually say, whoever sees it first, they love Jesus. They love Jesus. Why? Because they have a sticker. Can I tell you, if we really love Jesus, it's going to be evident in the fruit of our life. And sometimes you need to stop and take stock of your fold. Because I think a lot of us are missing more sheep than we're willing to admit. And until you acknowledge the absence of what's missing in your life, you're not going to be motivated to go find it. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, listen to what the Bible says. And beside this, giving all diligence, here it comes, add to your faith. Now, some of you just got terrified because that's a mathematical term. You're like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't come to church to learn how to add. We're talking about spiritual math, okay? Spiritual math, totally different stuff. That means as our faith grows, things are what? Added. So two plus two is? Come on, guys. <laughs> Four. Uh, Maybe, maybe the number you called out identifies as a four. I don't know. It's a different world we're living in. Absolutes are gone. I don't know. So two plus two is four, and, and four plus two is six, and six plus two is eight. Then we keep adding and adding and adding and adding. So after a while, we become the Christian we're supposed to. Watch this. Through math. We keep adding. So after a while, people look at your life and your testimony, the words that come out of your mouth, the spirit you have, and they're like, all of that adds up to be a Christian. Can I ask you something? How's your life adding up? Does your life add up to be a Christian? Do you have those fruits of the Spirit and they add up and somebody's like, I bet you're a Christian. You ever wonder what your coworkers think about you? I bet you're a Satanist. Why? Your attitude, the music you listen to, how you treat other people, it adds up. you got to be a Satanist. Now hear me out, folks. This is important. At some point, you've got to look at your life and realize, you know what? Something's not adding up. Something's not adding up. This shepherd looks down. What did he say? He had 100. He counted. There's 99. He says something's not adding up. So what did he do? He acknowledged the absence in his life. Can I tell you, that's how I got saved. Realized there was something missing. Something missing. Do you know, I believe that's why Zacchaeus climbed the tree. Why did he climb the tree? I believe he knew something was missing in his life. He says, I heard something about this guy. I believe this morning, that's why, that's why Nicodemus came to Jesus. Something's not adding up. Could I ask you this before I give you the second point? Do things add up in your life 
Or are some of your sheep scattered this morning? The only way you're going to get life together, number one, you have to acknowledge the absence. Number two, look down if you will. What he did. The Bible says, if he lose one, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost. Now here's what's amazing. You would think he's got ninety nine He's only lost one. You know, it's like we'll have a meeting with our, our camp counselors here in a few days, getting ready for camp. And uh, I like to bring back 100% of the kids I take. It's a personal policy I have. No matter how much some of the parents tell me that it's okay if I leave them, I'm like, no, we never leave a man behind. We bring them back home to you. And we're going to sit out there in the parking lot and wait for you to come pick them up. All right? You can't just pretend. Maybe if I leave them with a the pastor, that he'll take them home and adopt them. No, no. Right? I've seen how much some of these guys eat. No way. Have you seen their feet? That's where all that food goes to. I'm going to try my best to bring all that we're going to youth conference on Tuesday. It's the first time I've spent an entire youth conference with our teenagers. First time ever that I have, I've done that with our teenagers. It's, it's going to be exciting, I think. Some of these guys are going to be staying in my room. Man, we're going to have great Bible studies together. Amen. Just, we're just going to study and pray the whole time. Amen. Amen. We'll have fun, I promise. You see, you start doing the math and you realize something's missing. And here's what's amazing about this shepherd. Evidently, he didn't get peace about leaving that one behind. It bothered him. Yeah, I know I got 99, but gosh, that I'm missing something that I should have. And the Bible says it bothered him so much. Number two, watch what happened. In order to get everything together, number two, he prioritized a pursuit. He prioritized a pursuit. He couldn't ignore it. I want you to hear me out this morning. I believe this is the make or break moment right here. I think probably most of us that are here today are willing to acknowledge we're missing something. I mean, we love using the line, nobody's perfect. No, nobody is perfect. We should strive toward it, but nobody's perfect. And we all are willing today to admit, yes, I've got a few sheep that have gone astray. They're, there's part of my flock that's not all together. But you know, I have 97 I'm only missing three areas. Notice he couldn't get peace about it, and so he prioritized a pursuit. This is where I believe it's the make or break moment. When you decide, you know what? I'm tired of missing out. I'm going after it. I'm going after it. This morning, if you don't have those fruits of the Spirit in your life, can I tell you why you don't have them? Because you don't want them. Because God said you could have them. The Bible says you can add to your faith. Your life, this morning there are some godly people in this room. I'll not call you out to embarrass you. There's some godly people in this room this morning. And you look at them and their life adds up. Their testimony adds up. Their soul winning adds up. Their separation adds up. It all adds up. Hey, that is a child of God. There's no doubt. And you look at them and you think to yourself, man, I wish I could be like that. Hey, quit wishing. Quit wishing. We're acting like fairies are real, all right? Uh, they're not, but the Word of God is, and the power of God is, and the promises of God are, and He says we can have that in our life, and if we don't have it, can we just face the facts this morning? We don't have it because we don't want it. He says we could. We're just not pursuing it. We're like, yeah, I'm missing one of those sheep. I joke about patience a lot. In private, I'm, I'm a pretty patient person. I really am, probably too patient sometimes. On the highway is the only time I really deal with patient problems. Because I'm usually going somewhere. And if you want to waste your time, go for it. Just pull over and let me buy. Okay? 
I get home at 7, 8 o'clock. The other night was 10 o'clock. I just want to get home. I'm trying to get home to my wife and daughter. I'd like to get home and not fall asleep in five minutes. And people driving slow in the fast lane. I can tell they're enjoying. Hey, that's what the right lane is for. It's for you people who want to enjoy every moment of your life. Go for it. And I could be like, you know what, I, I don't have patience, but I got 99% of everything else. It ought to bother us when we're missing something. Missing something in my life that I need to have. I don't have peace. I don't have joy. Can I tell you why? You haven't prioritized a pursuit. You haven't decided, no, no, I'm not satisfied anymore with having what I have. I want what I don't have that God says I could have that's going to help my life add up to be a testimony that says Christian. And when people look at my life, they can see, they can't see my soul, but they can see something on the outside as a result of something that happened on the inside. Why? Because our life begins to add up. By the way, you think about old Bartimaeus this morning. I, I love Bartimaeus. I can't wait to meet him. Isn't that kind of neat? You ever thought about that? You ever get to meet those people? Does that not impress you? Okay, it impresses me. I'm going to look forward to meeting him one day. And I look forward to him to meeting me, and, and we get to talk in heaven. And that day that he was there, and he heard Jesus was coming, and he had been blind. Watch. He was missing something his whole life. I've known many people in my life who did not have the gift of sight. And, uh, you know, all the beautiful things I've got to see in my life, places I've got to go. I think, man, I've never got to see that. You know, folks, uh, we've had folks who passed away that were blind thinking, man, the first thing they ever got to see was, was Jesus when they opened their eyes in heaven. Well, what an amazing thought. Bartimaeus has not been able to see his whole life and here comes Jesus. Watch, here comes Jesus. He says, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. What did everybody say? Unfortunately, there's a lot of saved people in that group. Somebody starts getting excited about getting something they've been missing, and all of a sudden, here comes the Baptist Cold Water Committee. Kaboom. Don't get too excited. I'll never forget. My first pastor, I'm in my living room, the knock at the door, and there's a fairly well-known evangelist there at the door, and a local pastor there at the door, and they come by and just want to welcome you to the community, and I'm like, well, praise God for that. Sat down on the couch, and the local pastor began to tell me, this is a small church, and it was. He says, over 100 years old. Like, I know, it's on the sign. Here's what he said. Don't expect much to happen. It's not often I want to throat punch somebody. I'm just being honest with you. But evidently, I had not mortified all the deeds of my flesh. And there was something wanting to, you know, throw a karate chop on that guy's neck. And I, as soon as, as he left, my wife was in the other room, comes in, and her eyes were huge. I was like, well, what a blessing. What a blessing. Can I tell you something? Just because you don't want to go after what you're missing, don't get on somebody's case who does. Somebody gets excited about getting right with God, getting closer to God. Oh, you're going to give an account to God for discouraging them and for slowing them down and weighting them down. Oh, Bartimaeus, hey, I'm missing something in my life that I want. I want sight. I want to be able to see what you guys talk about. I hear you talking about trees and clouds. What are that? Bartimaeus says, I want it. He cried out. And he was oh, look, look, that's in all of us. Why? Because now we're convicted. 
Mom and dad, don't discourage your kids when they come back from youth conference excited about wanting to serve God. And don't you get feeling convicted to where you start calming them down. Don't get too excited now. You see, Bartimaeus decided, I want what I'm missing. It was a personal pursuit. I think about the woman with the issue of blood. we got to hurry. What did she do? She fought her way through the crowd. You're thinking, well, wasn't she embarrassed? I mean, pushing her way through the crowd, throwing some elbows. She might even have threw some throat punches. I don't know. But she knew that there was Jesus. That's the answer to what she was looking for, and she would not be denied. Here's our problem. We are too easily denied. We are. We treat the Holy Spirit like those vendors in the mall. You know, you know that little thing they put on your head that massages your head? How many of you bought one? Only a few. Look, you don't have to be embarrassed. Everybody's raising their hand like this. I got one, and I love it. It just kind of sends shockwaves down to my toes. Ooh. I try to get my wife, would you, just, would you massage my head? She's like, no, I think that's why your hair's falling out. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. No, she'd be willing if I asked her to. We're walking through the mall, and there's those people. Would you like to try our Dead Sea salt? It makes your hands so soft. No, thank you. And we just kind of keep on walking. We don't want no part of that. And we treat the Holy Spirit that way. What is he trying to do? He's trying to help us find what we're missing. Remember what he said to Jerusalem. I sent people to you to show you what you're missing. Here's our problem is we don't prioritize a pursuit. I promise you in just a minute that piano is going to begin to play. And I tell you what our priority already is. Get out that door. Not that I might find something I'm missing. So what did he do? The Bible says he goes after it. Matthew 5, 6, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Can I ask you a question? It's 12.05. Your internal meal meter is probably going off about now. Some of you have a fine-tuned clock. The, the, the cuckoo clocks over in Switzerland have nothing on your meal meter in your body right now. And it's going off, time to go, time to go, time to go. You're already thinking, where are we going to go? Maybe you've already passed your spouse a note. I haven't seen it. If you have, where are we going to eat? You're like, don't talk about that right now. Usually the wife's more, more spiritual. We're already prioritizing what we're going to do when we get out that door. Look, don't cry if you're going to deny. Don't cry about what's wrong if you're going to deny what's wrong and then not pursue what you're missing. I want you to think about this before I give you the last point real quickly. You can try a lot of things to substitute for what you're missing, but you know it's never going to be the same. I, I want you to see something real quick. You look down, the Bible says in verse, verse number 5, and when he hath found it, he layeth on his shoulders, what does it say at the end of verse 5? Rejoicing. Can I give you a... a uh, a simple definition of the word rejoice is when you get your joy back, rejoy. Rejoy. You see, joy came back. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven. You know, you can try a whole bunch of stuff, and you'll never replace the joy that you'll only find when you finally get gathered back to where you're supposed to be. Until you get those voids filled in your life, that look, you can fill it with fun. You can even fill it with family. I've seen people try that. And if I just get my family close and do stuff with my family, look, I love my family and I'm thankful for my family. But my family cannot replace what can only come from God when I have a right relationship with Him. That's our problem. We're replacing it with everything. I just got to get some more books. I hate to tell you, you got the book right here. And the answer is prioritizing that pursuit. A while back, we ran out of milk at our house. The Walmart delivery was running late. 
And I, I love cereal. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner, I could eat cereal. I could eat cereal for dessert. Golden grams, lucky charms, fruity pebbles, it doesn't matter. I'm even getting old. I'm getting into shredded wheat. I'm enjoying it. We ran out of milk. And I really wanted cereal. So I thought to myself, milk, water. You tried it too, haven't you? Good. I'm glad you laughed because I'm like, I'm the only person who ever tried that. I got to tell you, fruity pebbles in water is not the same thing as fruity pebbles in milk. At the end of fruity pebbles, when you got that milk, it's kind of that pink color. It's got the grease floating on the top of it, you know. And you drink that milk. Oh, man, that's good. I want you to know it's not the same thing with water. It just doesn't do it for you. Not the same. Neither is everything you're trying to replace what only God can give you that you're missing. You got some sheep that have wandered off in your life, and you know what they are. You know what they are. Why? Because you know your sheep. You know what you should have. You know it. I know it. I know without a shadow of a doubt when I'm not complete and I'm not whole, I can tell you what I'm missing, and I can tell you why I'm missing it. I know it. And I can sit over here and say, ooh, look at my 97 sheep. But the reason I don't have peace is because of the three. That's why I don't have peace, and that's why I'm not sleeping well at night. Number two, you better prioritize the pursuit. You look down to verse 6, it says they're rejoicing when they found what was lost. I wonder what you're missing this morning. I want to help you one more thing before we close. The Bible says in verse 6, or verse 5, I'm sorry, and when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. Ooh, stick with me, we're done. He comes along and there's... We'll call him Frank. Frank's number 100. He's been wandering the hills, wandering the hills, and then there's Frank. Who knows what Frank's been up to? Frank probably wandered off, and he's eating the green, green grass on top of somebody's septic tank. You know, that's usually what it is. And there's Frank. Shepherd looks down, and he sees old Frank there, and Frank that he's been missing. <laughs> there you are. He takes Frank, and he picks him up, puts him on his shoulders, carries him home. Stick with me. How often does the Holy Spirit of God show you Frank? There's Frank. There he is. There's number 100. There's the one you're missing. There it is right there. We look at our watch, and we say it's 12-12, and we leave Frank sitting here. We don't take Frank with us. Number three, if you're going to get things back together, Number three, you're going to have to be faithful with what you find. Be faithful with what you find. That's why I encourage you, don't rush out during the invitation. I mean, could it be that the Holy Spirit is showing you this morning, and you know it. There's the sheep you've been looking for. There's why you don't have peace. There's the void in your life. There it is right there. And we're like, okay, Lord, I'm going to come back and get it tonight. Can I tell you, Frank may not always be there. He showed it to you. There's the answer. You know, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets. He says, you would not. You missed your opportunity. Why? He showed you, and you weren't faithful with what you found. He pointed it out. He says, there's what you are missing. And rather than pick it up and carry the burden of what God showed you, you go home. And what you were looking for to have the peace and the joy, look what happened. Boy, he's excited. He is celebrating with his friends. 
I believe tonight the reason we're missing out on what we could have is because, not because God hasn't shown us, because he's shown us and we left it behind. We left it behind. Could I encourage you something today? If you don't have everything gathered together, and God has shown you what you're missing and where it's at, could I encourage you, no matter how much of a burden, you know, I don't how, know how much that one sheep weighed, but he carried it. I'm going to bear the burden to restore what I was missing. Do you know in order for you to have what you're missing and everything together, watch this, I'll give you an example. Maybe you're not right with somebody. And well, there's not much of a heavier burden when you're not right with your fellow man. And you say, well, that's hard. Well, that's the carrying of the burden. Why? Because I want to have what I'm missing. In order to be right with God, I've got to be right with man. Maybe, watch this, you've got to confess something to God. You don't have to confess it to me. Thank God. Confess it to him. He's faithful and just to forgive us for our unrighteousness. Hey, he wants to cleanse us today. But maybe you're like, I'm going to have to carry that to God. Yeah, you're going to have to carry that, but that's the only way you're going to get things back together this morning. I wonder this morning, maybe you're like this shepherd. You don't have everything together. and Boy, I think we're all there at some point in our life. Maybe you need to acknowledge an absence. Are you missing something today? Are you missing something? And you know it. There's something in your life that should be there that's not there. Well, would you make a priority to pursue that? Our pants is going to come even now. Whoever's playing today, come on up. When that invitation begins, I'd pursue it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave it there. I'd be faithful with what God has shown me. Maybe you're here today, and the void in your heart, watch this, is because you're still a lost sheep. You haven't wandered away. The Bible says, for all have sinned. We were born that way, separated from God. Jesus came, lived and died. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And the answer you're looking at this morning is Jesus. He is the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. And he's standing there. And the answer is Jesus. Here's the question. Are you going to walk out of here lost? He's the answer. He's the void. He will fill it all. He'll give you a home in heaven. God will be your father. That's the answer. And so many walk right up and they see what they've been looking for. And his name is Jesus. And they turn around and they walk out. I want you to understand this morning, whatever it is that you're missing, I'd get it while it's there. Get it while it's there. You might walk out these doors today lost and never make it back to accept Christ. You might walk out these doors today saved on your way to heaven, and yet you got a void in your life. Your life doesn't add up to be what a Christian ought to be, and you know it. Mine's that way sometimes, and you know what you're missing, and you're going to walk out of here not having the testimony you could, not having the joy you could, not having contentment in your life that you could because he showed you what you were missing. There it is, but you wouldn't bear the burden to carry back what's missing. This morning, could I just beg you, hey, let's get our act together. Let's get everything together that we could be who God's called us to be. Amen. Let's stand together. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let me ask you these questions real quick. Number one, number one, do you have it all together? Do you have it all together? Maybe this morning the answer is you need to acknowledge there's something missing. Hey, would you just do some math? Look at your life. Is everything adding up? 
Is your faithfulness adding up? Your obedience adding up? Does your countenance add up? Hey, is it adding up? If it's not, hey, acknowledge it before God. God, I'm not what I ought to be today. I'm not. I say, God, if you'll help me, I'm going to pursue it today. I'm going to go after it today. I'm not going to be missing it anymore. I'm not going to learn to live without it anymore. I'm going to have what I'm missing today. Pursue it. If he's already showed it to you today, could I just encourage you, pick it up. Pick it up. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word and for the message that we see behind the great, the good shepherd who pursued us. Father, I pray this morning that if we're missing something, we'll pursue it today. If there's one lost here today, they're not sure heaven's their home. Help them not hesitate. Step out even now. Come down and let someone show them, Lord, how they can find what is missing. Bless what I pray your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. With our heads bowed and eyes closed for a few minutes today. I just want to beg you today. I want to beg you. Get it together. Let's get it together today. The trumpet of God's going to sound and your spiritual flock is going to be scattered. You're going to be missing out on so many things we should have had. Let's get it together today. We don't have time to play anymore. If you're lost today and never trusted Christ, why don't you come to him today? That's the answer. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. If you're lost today, why don't you trust Christ? He's been looking for you, not to scold you, but to embrace you. He loves you. He came to die for you. He rose again for you. Mom and dad, let's get it together. Let's get it together. No excuses anymore. We know, we know. Say, but you don't know how much of a burden it's going to be for me to get things together. You don't know what you're missing then. You don't know the joy you're missing. Let's have another verse. Wouldn't you love to be that shepherd today? Rejoicing. You have joy again. Have joy again. You get your smile back. You get your peace back. You can rejoice. How? Go find what you're missing. Would you have him serve you so that you need never fall? Let him have his way. Listen to that song. Let him have his way today. His power can make you what you are to be. His love can fill your heart and make you free. His love can fill your soul and you will see. T'was best for him to have his way with me. I'd be lying to you this morning if I told you that maybe you might be pacified for a little while. You can surround yourself with all kinds of things that will pacify you, but it won't satisfy you. Only finding what you're missing is going to fill that void. And I beg you this morning, don't leave that sheep behind. There's something you need to have in your life, and I, I pray you did the will of God. The song they were singing, let him have his way with you.
Uh, this morning before we close, I want you to be sure to take your bulletin out. We've got a lot going on. Uh, meetings and whatnot, but our young people, here's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. I, I need help with something. I need 35 people. We have 35 young people going to teen conference this, uh, this Tuesday. I need 35 people who will volunteer right now to go home today and write a card or a note to a teenager. You don't have to know who they are. I need 35 people who are willing to do that, and it's a card of encouragement to do the will of God this week at youth conference. I need 35 people. Raise your hand if you'll do it. I'll be one. 35 people, all right? Bring it tonight, all right? Just say, dear teenager, put it in an envelope, close it. I need 35 of them tonight. We want to give those out to them. You don't have to know who they are. I want you to pray for them while they're gone. And then also we're going to try to get a list out tonight of the young people that are gone. I want you to pray for them daily that God would work in their life uh, and help change their life to be whoever it is God wants them to be. I don't know, but I want you to pray for them this week. And then pray for the camps coming up. A lot of good things going on. Let's get involved. Hey, as a church, let's get together. Let's get together. We've got a lot in the world right now, a lot going on the last several years, scatter. Let's get together to be whole and who God would have us to be. Amen. I'm going to ask our crown ladies, if you would, make your way back to the table. And you get by and visit with them, all right? These young people uh, traveling the country this summer. And uh, if you want to give them 150 bucks, I'm sure they'd love it to get an extra hamburger along the way. Let them know you're praying for them and you appreciate them. If you have questions about college, be sure to get by and ask them, okay? What's that? His mercy is more. Sing it. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more.